It's probably been about 25 years since you've heard that sound, but that's how long it's been since lawmakers passed comprehensive internet regulations. That's why Facebook supports updated regulations on the internet's most pressing challenges, like passing a federal data privacy law and reforming Section 230 to set standards for the way larger tech companies enforce rules about content. Learn more about Facebook's progress and see what's next at about.fb.com regulations. You're listening to Empowerment and All That podcast, your favorite podcast for women's empowerment hosted by Rita Bautista. It's time to be reminded of the authority of your inner goddess and elevate the power within. Are you ready? I wanted to get started by telling everybody a little bit about you, but I kind of want you to give a quick little synopsis of who you are, uh, you know, what your footprint is in Houston, and then we can get started. Sure, I'd love to. Sandmore Investments uh, was founded by me uh, about uh, seven years ago. We are commercial real estate uh, investors, brokers, and lenders. Uh, We dabble in each of the uh, commercial real estate uh, areas, uh, but specialize in multifamily. So we own over 220 units in Houston alone. But you said you've developed like over 500 units already, right? That's correct. We've had our hands in about 500 units and uh, dozens of transactions with us and our clients, uh, equaling you know, tens of millions, hundreds of millions of dollars. That's pretty impressive for someone at son- such a young age. You're what, like 22, 23 right now? Oh, stop it. <laughs> I'm 34. I mean, that's always a good accomplishment at 34 years old to be able to say that you've been able to do that all that. Now... Entrepreneurship started for you at a very young age, didn't it? Uh, yes, it did. Um, so I have a sort of a funny story about the very first time that I was uh, dabbled in entrepreneurship. Um, I was six years old, mm-hmm. and um, I was in uh, in school in Colombia. I forgot what grade I was in. It was probably in first or second grade. Um, but uh, my so so if your audience can picture, my school is in the side of a hill, a very steep hill. Um, and the lunchroom was set up at the very top of that hill and the classrooms all the way down with our classroom being one of the bottommost classrooms. Um, so uh, obviously, uh, just like any other kid, I guess, uh, they send you out on lunch to go get your own lunch and stuff like that. We uh, used to hike all the way up the hill to go get our lunch. And then one day I had the bright idea, you know, be, me being the entrepreneur, Uh, and uh, having the idea that I always wanted myself. I just wanted, well, how can I say this? My own things, right? Yeah. Um, I came up with it. Yeah, at at six six years years old. old. Yeah, (laughs) at six years old. I guess this is where it starts. You know, you want to have your own things and and, uh, have a little bit of independence. So obviously I felt that at a very young age. Um, I started uh, asking students uh, if I could go get their lunch for... 100 pesos, which is like 10 cents nowadays. Yeah. But, um, and uh, actually proved to be very successful because, I mean, at that point I was very skinny and I was actually agile. So I started asking the bigger kids first. <laughs> and uh, yeah, actually it, it went off without a hitch. Uh, I went off for weeks and went all the way up to the top of the hill, got their lunch, charged my 100 pesos, 10 cents. 
And uh, I started amassing quite a, a wealth of 10 cents, you know, <laughs> for, each, for each transaction. But um, I'm just kidding. It was about, you know, two to three people that uh, I used to go get lunches for. But then actually it took off. It took off so well that I had to hire other kids to actually do it for me. And uh, I paid them five cents and I get kept five cents. <laughs> so um, it was... It was a crazy experience because afterwards, other kids started getting in on this and started being entrepreneurial as well. Uh, they started uh, charging eight cents, you know, instead of oh, the, the undercut. Yeah. yeah. So um, obviously, what uh, you know, what 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 any entrepreneur would do is actually better the service and keep your prices or drop their prices, and you know, with volume, you can actually get a lot of stuff done. So I hired more kids. And, you know, even the competition was fierce. I still, <laughs> I, I was still doing pretty good. Um, it all came to an abrupt end when the actual uh, teacher found out this was going on and actually prohibited anybody from doing this. And so, you know, we got stopped by the big man. Man, mm -hmm. that's terrible. It would have been the launch of like Uber Eats at a very young age exactly. in Colombia. Exactly. You never know what that would have taken off. <laughs> So from here, we move on to you being like, uh, what was it, 13 years old to ask for special permission to work? Okay, so yeah, I moved uh, to Houston with my family. Uh, between there, obviously, we had a tumultuous time moving to this country. We moved because of the uh, guerrillas, you know, Pablo Escobar's um, mafia and, and guerrillas threatening to sue, or to, not to sue, to actually, well, you know, kill us. So we had to come over here um, and escape their lives, our lives in Colombia to so find a better life. Were you directly affected by that? Like they were actually threatening your, yes. your family as a whole? My mom was a, a very prominent Colombian lawyer and uh, she won a case against the mafia back then and they literally kept uh, dropping voicemails in her answering machine saying, hey, we know uh, where your kids are, you know, we know that your kids are riding the gray school bus and... Uh, you know, we know that such and such and so they just threatened our lives. Right. So at that point, my mom was like, uh-uh, this ain't going to happen. We're out. Yeah. So uh, we came to this country, you know, seeking a better life, just like a lot of immigrants do. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, I was, uh, you know, a couple of years passed. I was 13 years old and that kind of uh, entrepreneur mindset never really left me. Mm -hmm. I've always wanted to have my own things and you know, just be able to take off on my own. I was also, I was very independent. I was the independent guy in the mm -hmm. family. And so uh, I asked my mom to take me to the courthouse and give me special permission so I can work at Burger King <laughs> at 13 years old. Um, and she did that. She was like, sure, yeah, no problem. She took me to the courthouse. I went back to Burger King with my permit and I didn't get the job. <laughs> I didn't get the Damn job. Damn you, Burger King. Like <laughs> I know. They probably they probably regret it to this right. day. Huh? <laughs> um, so I but I ended up doing uh, surveys in, in the mall in front of Star Shots for your audience that know Star Shots. Yeah, I I was all about the Star Shots and, and asking people for surveys right right outside of uh, of their store. Wow, mm -hmm. Star Shots, the glamour shots. shots of our time. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So you didn't decide to be a CEO of Starshots, and then you go on to move to uh, Shell Oil Company at 16, right? Uh, yeah, I mean, at 16, again, I, was, I had this feeling that wouldn't escape me that I wanted my own things. Um, so when I was in high school, I signed up for this pre-op uh, program. Um, 
I'm sorry, it's not called pre-op. It's called co-op, co-op mm -hmm. program. And uh, which, you know, they hook you up with uh, all sorts of uh, companies willing to hire you, Lionel, Shell Oil, AIG, uh, Hess. You know, there was a lot of companies. I actually made it into Shell Oil Company at 16. And I was, you know, I was ecstatic because I was getting paid all $14 an hour. In that time, it was actually <laughs> a lot. I mean, that's more than minimal wage right now. So it's that's still true. a lot. That's true. That yeah. is true. Uh, so I was ecstatic. I made a lot of bad financial decisions with that money. I went, got a Porsche, you know. I went all out. I was like, uh, you know, I, I, it, was, it was like I had it all. But obviously I had no idea what it is that I really had. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Wow. So 16 Shell, we started Uber Eats at 6. And now we're moving <laughs> on to a billiard pool cue purchased from the Philippines. Tell okay. me a little bit more yeah, about that. sure. Um, so I, uh, I kept on going with Shell Oil Company. Um, I, at the same time, I graduated high school. And by the way, I was so focused on high school. I'm sorry. I was so focused at work that, um, I wasn't even in the high school yearbook. Mm -hmm. uh, I was just, I went to one class and that's it. I, I wasn't even in the index of my high school yearbook, but you know, I didn't care, whatever. I had my own things going on. Yeah. At the same time around there, I uh, um, started an online store back when eBay was all the rage and uh, e-commerce was taking off. So I started selling things around the house. And this, this is actually my very first formal entrepreneurial um, campaign. Uh, I started an online store and I started selling things around the house. And then soon enough, other people wanted me to sell stuff for them, kind of like drop shipping. Yeah. And it got so good that I actually started making contacts in the Philippines and uh, I developed my own line of pool cues, of, of you know, billiards pool cues, um, pool sticks, as you some people may call them. They had natural shell, they had, you know, abalone, mother of pearl. I mean, they were really, really nice snakeskin. They were really nice pool sticks. Um, and I sold them here uh, for, what was it, like a hundred bucks a piece. I got them made over there for 20 bucks. So it was actually a you know pretty solid deal that I had uh, until the the uh, um, supplier found out what I was doing and decided to cut me off. <laughs> wow. So uh, up until now, actually, if you still log on to eBay, if you look for Boris B O R B O R I Z, um, you can still find the pool cues being available online. Just wow! Because they've been so successful in getting these sold. That's crazy. Do you get yeah. any royalties? I mean, nope. that would be amazing. Absolutely nothing. <laughs> oh, man. And so um, around that same time, um, other people, like I said, started noticing that I could sell. I had a power of selling a lot of stuff online. I met this gentleman whose name is Kevin. Um, and we started drop shipping together. We actually, he, he would sell a lot of stuff. He had a lot of stuff in his garage. So I would sell a lot of this stuff. Um, and then we started running out of stuff to sell. Didn't you say you also sold everything out of your mom's house too, pretty much? Yeah, pretty much. I actually <laughs> sold some stuff I, uh, I shouldn't have, you know. <laughs> One time I actually sold my brother's shirt because I was actually mad at him. I was like, I'll show you. Yeah. And it was like a $400 shirt and I sold it for like 50 bucks. Well, now is your time to apologize to your brother. <laughs> I'm <sorry>. <laughs> <laughs> I am sorry. He knows it. Yeah. Um, so uh, around this time, like I said, I met uh, this this uh, guy named Kevin, and he um, we started practicing drop shipping, which is when you actually never get to see the product and you 
but you sell it anyway. For example, well, let's say uh, that you want to sell video cameras like we did. You order them only after you've gotten paid. So you sell them before you buy. For example, you sell uh, the video cameras at $1,500 like we started doing. Uh, but we, after people pay them, then we use that money to buy the video cameras at $800 a piece. And that's exactly what happened um, in this instance. I sold a total of about 52 video cameras and uh, because they sold, they sold like hotcakes. And I trusted Kevin to actually uh, forward and buy, buy all of the video cameras and forward them to these people. But he actually never came through with that promise. He disappeared. I paid him all of the $55,000 that people had paid me. Jeez. And he completely vanished. Um, and that was a pretty dark moment in my life, actually. What do you think you learned from that situation in particular? Um, I, I learned that, uh, I mean, unfortunately, I couldn't see it at that time uh, because it was just so dark. I mean, you know, it's not easy owing uh, people, you know, $55,000 at, you know, 21, 22 years old. I sold everything that it took. I mean, they really shut me down. eBay shut me down. PayPal shut me down because I was getting sued right and left by people that had paid me directly. I had just forwarded the money to Kevin, mm -hmm. but uh, obviously I was in the hook for the 55000 so I couldn't find him anywhere. So I started Shocking, right? selling anything and everything it took, mm -hmm. but uh, I wasn't able to, so... Uh, it, it you know to for the constable to show up at your front door and to say hey you stole money from these people uh, you got to pay back and it's horrible it's a horrible feeling for somebody that's actually just trying to you know get a better life especially at such a young age i mean 22 years old what do you really know all the way through right and this is your like fourth third or fourth stab at like actually trying to continue learning how to build yeah. wealth right because build a business that's right mm -hmm. uh so you know, it, I did whatever it took to get me out of that. Um, I didn't, you know, get into any vices, thank God. But I did, you know, um, sell anything it took in order for me to, to, to make ends meet. You know, mm -hmm. like I tell people, you know, I sold my shirt, you know. It's whatever it took in order to pay these people back. And I, and I still couldn't because it's $55,000 left throw. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think it's a pretty powerful lesson, though, in general, for people who want to go out and be entrepreneurs. It's like the highs are really high, but the lows are pretty hard, and you have to be willing to roll through the punches and continue to deliver, right? Because it seems like you are going to deliver at any means possible if it meant selling a shirt off your back to do it. Yeah, exactly. Um, people know that getting screwed is, is not easy. <laughs> um, and then when it affects you personally is, is even worse. You know? yeah. And, you know, usually by that age, you don't really know that it's just business. Mm -hmm. You know, a con man got you, they got the best of you. You should probably just cut your losses and move on. But I took it very personally. Like, man, this is what it's like to be in the business mm -hmm. of, of being in your own business, uh, of being an entrepreneur. So I knew that I had to get, uh, you know, more shrewd in, in who I chose to do business with and uh, more shrewd in, in picking the people that are around me. Yeah. So I think something that's also interesting that uh, you didn't know was that at the same time you were also dealing with grief um, because your mother had passed away during that same time. So it seems like all of that, your personal and your, your professional life seemed to have been going through a very hard time. 
what brought you out of that darkness at the end? Yeah, I mean, it was, it was, uh, got even darker because my mom did pass away and, uh, she was always the light in my life. She was always the drive. I think, you know, I owe her a lot. Um, she came to this country with nothing and she started sweeping floors, delivering pizzas and anything it could do, she could do, um, to, you know, push her children forward. Mm -hmm. And so, uh, it was a big loss for me and my family. So, uh, it just sunk me deeper into depression. And, you know, it's hard for people going through depression to hear that time heals all wounds, but it's it's true. Yeah, I didn't. I know that I didn't want to hear anything about working out or it's going to be better one day or it's just snap out of it. It just doesn't work that way. So, um, but that time does heal all wounds. I started being a little social again. I started buying and selling cars, which was, you know, my hobby. Mm -hmm. And uh, uh, little did I know that it actually became a, a real business, this, this car dealership that I formed. So that was kind of like the light that began to shine on you after? Yeah, because I got good at something. I got good at selling. I'm all, I've always been good at selling. but um, Sounds like it. You, and you started at <laughs> six, you know? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> selling a service and selling a product, you know, in a lot of ways it's the same. But yes... Um, I, I got good at something and when you focus on, hey, look, I'm good at something, I'm not total trash and people can just take advantage of me, I'm providing good service by providing these clean cars to people, uh, I made a business out of it and started uh, Gold Quest Auto out of uh, Southwest Houston and it, it, went, it went very well for a while, yeah. That's awesome. So let me ask you a question. So you got your MBA, mm -hmm. right? You go to London, you experience being... As you said, you were the one student that seemed to have had to be working, to actually always continue working with the rest of your class, right? Everybody else seemed to have been there just going to school versus <laughs> you going to school and working and, and struggling through school. But do you think you really gained a strong knowledge from your MBA or do you think that it was all the experiences that you had along the way or was it like a mix of everything? Yeah, uh, I think it was a mix of everything. Right after I left... Um, well, right after I sold my dealership uh, around the recession, uh, there were people 40 years in the business selling uh, their dealerships right and left. So, uh, yeah, I actually got lucky and I sold my dealership um, back then. And I said, well, I'm graduating from college, which I've paid for myself up until this point. Um, I am sold my dealership. What's next? You know, the recession is looking pretty bad. It doesn't look like there's a lot of opportunity. I think I'm going to take this time in order to educate myself. Mm -hmm. And that's exactly what I did. I went to uh, London and uh, applied for this great school. And I got a couple of scholarships. And, uh, you know, it was a one-year intensive course. I got to see a lot of Europe and travel while studying. So it was, it was a phenomenal time in my life. Um, I learned a lot about business. And I had that great... This is the best part. I had that great aha moment mm -hmm. of... Hey, I had no idea what I was really doing all this time with, you know, the e-commerce building with my dealership. Uh, but that's why the, I saw what I saw. I, I learned what a profit and loss was. I learned, um, you know, how the normal business processes are. I learned how to actually provide a solution to clients and how to build that brand, how to uh, maintain customer loyalty. I learned a lot of things. So I, I it was good because... Um, looking back on it, 
I had a lot of experience uh, as an entrepreneur and as a, you know, a, a corporate uh, employee. But um, having the MBA taught me to actually apply it uh, in my head and, and apply it in actual numbers and on paper. Hmm. Yeah. That's interesting. Exactly. So most valuable project you did in college in, in your MBA program? Most valuable project is probably to analyze um, a uh, Gillette uh, project in Thailand. Um, we analyzed uh, how Gillette was actually deploying their marketing techniques in Thailand, which as a place that you know is renowned for people not shaving. Oh, I was going to say, is that the razor? Cause yeah, yeah, Gillette, the <laughs> women razor. Women use exactly. Gillettes too. And let me tell you, they're so much better than most of the female razors out there, but okay. Yeah, exactly. So that was one of the best projects that I remember working in. Everything that we had uh, advised Gillette to do, they ended up implementing and they actually did very well. It jumped, the sales jumped up 120% after we coached them through how to implement a better marketing strategy. Wow. That's pretty mm-hmm. impressive. And you saw 100% of the profits, right? Oh, no. I saw 0% of the profits. I got a good pat in the back. Does, does Thanks, Boris. Go back <laughs> home. Like. All right. So let's say you finish, uh, you finish college. You finish your MBA. Sorry, not college. But you finish your MBA. You decide you're going to come back to Houston, mm-hmm. right? So you join a real estate family business as a mortgage loan officer. That's right. After all this experience, After what makes you go back right. into real what makes you go into real estate? Cuz it sounds like that's your first real like step into it. I've never been critical of the uh, MBA process, uh, but I do think they uh, put a seed and and plant that employee mindset in you. They don't really cultivate a uh, Entrepreneurial, entrepreneurial yeah. uh, kind of spirit in folks. They just think that you're going to go get a job after this. And that's all we talked about during the MBA is, okay, what are you going to make after this? And what, what companies are you going to work for? And what are you going to be? What's your title? They put a lot of importance in this. Mm-hmm. Um, and I actually, yeah, sure. I That's what I believed. And that point is that I'm going to go back and be a great employee. Um, and uh, I'm going to grow my family's company. And uh, that's pretty much all I'm going to do. So you're um, a mortgage loan officer then for your family's company at this yeah, point? Yeah, so okay. I, went, I came back to Houston and I became a mortgage loan officer, a residential mortgage loan officer, and I did very well. Uh, my first few years were uh, just doing straight residential, and then um, I started to dabble in a little bit of commercial. Then um, around 20, what is it, 2010, 2011, Obama changed the law, or actually no. Yeah, yeah, around 2010, uh, the Obama changed the law and uh, residential mortgage loan officers couldn't make as much as they did before. Mm -hmm. So I full-fledged went into commercial real estate. Okay. And mortgage. Mm -hmm. So you're a loan officer in commercial at that point. Is that, or explain the exam. I'm a little confused. I don't understand that (laughs) that aspect of... So, um, yeah, it's pretty self-explanatory. Residential is just homes, mm-hmm. commercial, you know, things like shopping centers, warehouses, um, apartment complexes. They're completely two different animals. Right. A lot of people don't understand uh, that or, or, or fail to, to comprehend that uh, 
homes are not equal as a business, right? So a home is valued for how pretty it is, the location of it, what your neighbors are selling for, and a commercial asset is actually valued by the amount of money it makes. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I was actually fascinated by that whole, uh, um, the whole, yeah, idea of commercial property and actually growing a business that is founded on actual real estate. Wow. That's pretty cool. Mm-hmm. So what advice would you give somebody who wants to get into commercial real estate? Um, I would say... <laughs> <laughs> Don't do it. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> no, definitely do it. Um, it just be careful because it, this is a, a completely different beast than residential. You have uh, to learn way more about finance and uh, not so much about you know the granite counters matching the cabinets that stuff still matters, but not as much. Mm-hmm. It's you have to make sure not to overspend in, in a uh, building in order for it to cash flow. Uh, you have to make sure you're using the right uh, financial tools, and you have to make sure you know that at the end of the day you have an exit strategy out of every single deal that you do. That almost sounds like those are life experiences that you could translate <laughs> to any situation, right? <laughs> That's like true. don't overspend, have a good exit strategy. And, you know, make sure you're not focusing too much on the details, right? Because things are going to happen anyway. Yeah, that's true. And in that aspect, that is true. I mean, commercial real estate has taught me a lot about how to connect everything that I've learned um, up until this point. I used to think that, uh, you know, I took jobs and I and I founded little businesses. Around when I was 25 years old, I, I didn't know where it was all leading. Mm-hmm. I, I, just th- I just said, hey... Where is this all going? What is the point of me being an employee, but also finding these businesses, getting screwed? What is the point of life? You know, is this going to keep on happening all throughout my life? Um, And so commercial real estate actually gave me that satisfaction of everything you've learned up until this point, everything you've experienced, you're going to apply for this business. And uh, and I thought that was phenomenal because I had that great you know, kind of breathe in and breathe out saying, oh, wow, okay. I used to think that it was all for nothing and now it all makes sense. Mm-hmm. So for your listeners out there, I, you know, the, one of the very best things that I can tell you is um, just keep going. Keep, you know, keep driving yourself. Um, don't think that it's for nothing. You know, if you have odd jobs, if you have experience in this and that, you have experience in retail but you also have experience in banking don't give yourself um up to the idea that uh, you this is all for a great design and you could actually implement all of the things that you've learned into something greater and to something that you're going to be happy doing every day that's a really good thing to lead off on honestly (laughs) because you know we spend so much time especially when it comes down to going to college right the college is supposed to give us this like massive idea that Oh, as soon as I finish after being from 18 to let's say 21, if you're traditional, 22 and finish then, and then you go to your master's degree or whatever, by the time you get out of school, you're supposed to know exactly what you want to be. Yes. And the truth of the matter is, it's like you said, those, those things don't always work out for everyone, um, especially people who haven't been extremely exposed to other avenues outside of what they're just seeing, right? And so that opportunity to really just believe that everything that's happening to you is happening for a reason. I mean, that's, that's really, really a great platform to stand on because 
you know? Yeah, definitely. I mean, you know, I've never been a big religious man. It, uh, I do believe in God. But what I'm saying is that your life experiences can lead to something greater um, if you let it, if you actually go out there and take advantage of the opportunity that you can have a business based on everything you do like. For example, if you if you know you're good at selling cars or or even good at you know managing people that wash cars or whatever it is, then why not do something with that? Mm-hmm. You know, take advantage of the fact that you are talented in a certain area and apply yourself. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But how do you how does a person recognize that they're actually good at something? Like how do they notice that that's a strength that's big enough for them to take a risk on? Yeah, I think that um, you know, it obviously depends on everybody and and uh, and everybody who surrounds them. If you're if you're surrounded by negativity, you have to make sure to take yourself out of that. Mm. You have to make sure to uh, find yourself in with in groups that recognize what is each other's strengths. You can't always go up to your friend and tell them you know all the negative things that you're not doing with your life. Make sure to tell them something nice about themselves, and you'll be surprised. Yeah. You will hear that in return. You will hear that, hey, you're good at this, you're good at that. Let's let's do something together. Mm-hmm. Why don't we do that? That's actually how Sandmore Investments got their start. Is um, it was me being good at financing properties and uh, being good at uh, being able to identify good properties. Uh, my partners joined me: a mechanical engineer and a CPA. You know, one of them is really good at sales and um, the process of sales, and the other one is really good at analytics. Mm-hmm. And so, you never know what kind of synergy you're going to have unless you actually start surrounding yourself with the positive, right-minded people. Absolutely, that's so true. I mean, sometimes we also don't realize we could be the negative factor as well. And so, when you do start surrounding yourself with people who are not in that mindset, it kind of helps you start to see that maybe. Okay, you should start looking at things differently. So it is definitely about who you surround yourself with and, uh, you know, just what lens you use to look out of. Exactly, exactly. Um, if you're, like I said, if you're, if you're surrounding yourself by negativity, um, you or yourself are going to become a negative person. Mm-hmm. So you have to make sure to listen to uh, folks, you know, listen to, I don't know, podcasts, uh, mm-hmm. friends, or even people who are who you admire mm-hmm. and surround yourself in, in that mindset. Yeah. Yeah. I'm a big proponent of podcasts now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. You have and, to listen to empowerment and all that. Yeah, you know? exactly. Thank you. Plug. No. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, no, I um, am so extremely grateful that you came to do this interview with me. And I just want to see if you have any rules or particular words or a quote or something that you live by every day that just helps you in those days that sometimes it could be difficult or days where you're just like, you know what? It's Monday. It's 5 a.m. As much as I don't want to get up, I'm going to do it because of X. Like what gets you out of bed and what continues to empower you through like any day? Yeah. I mean, that's, that's actually very good. Um, everybody should have something to wake them up and make them be a better man or woman person. Um, I believe, uh, you know, obviously the wealth of everybody who surrounds me is extremely important. I don't mean just monetary. I mean, happiness. I mean, being able to provide, I mean, freedom, freeing it, freedom to be able to enjoy life, right? Mm -hmm. A lot of us get wrapped up in, uh, just working, um, 
so we can pay bills and it shouldn't be like that you should there's actually something better than that so it's being able to provide those around me with a better lifestyle one of my partners used to work every day uh he used to work christmas day new year's day sundays he used to work every holiday until 11 12 12 at night Mm -hmm. um they even his company even built him a little shack inside the office because he was working so much obviously wow. they, they didn't complain they just no, accommodated that's... him more um, <laughs> that's some he, serious dedication exactly right and now he, he works with me now and he does he probably um works you know i mean eight to five and he works eh, some nights but the most important thing is he's able to provide for his family now and uh, provide even better than before for his special needs sister so, oh, that's so sweet. Yeah, yeah, that's actually what up- uplifts me is mm-hmm. being able to give people the freedom it is to care for themselves or and for everybody they love. Oh, that's good. That's mm-hmm. such a like selfless reason to do that. I mean, yeah. there's no little part of you though too that is like, oh, I do this because I also want to do X or whatever. But I mean, obviously, that's a very great reason, right? Mm-hmm. Like, it should always be at your core. There's got to be a little part of you that's like, and I want to do X. <laughs> I mean, we all have aspirations. We right. all have goals, right? <laughs> um, I mean, I, I'm human just like everybody else. I yeah. embrace um, the ideas that I want to have this. I want to have a house in the lake. Mm-hmm. I want to have that car. Um, why not? You know, uh, if, if it makes you happy. Yeah, sure. It's the little things. You should definitely give yourself little wins. Mm-hmm. You know, um, maybe sometimes go and... And get yourself that coffee that you want. And, you know, because you just satisfy yourself. If you maintain yourself as a positive mindset and don't restrict yourself from happiness, I think it's going to lead to uh, your bigger wins coming faster and uh, easier than before. Yeah. Yeah. Well, this was amazing. Thank you again. Like I said, um, any last words? Uh, Don't drink and drive. (laughs) I'm just kidding. I don't know. You no. might spill your drink. No. Yeah. <laughs> um, just please, uh, if you're interested in commercial real estate, uh, we do have a, a uh, counseling or not counseling, but actually kind of um, uh, a phase we do with, with folks who are willing to learn uh, commercial real estate. We coach them through the learning process. Mm-hmm. And so please check us out. Our website is www.sanmoreinvestments.com. Um, and uh, or just uh, give us a shout, you know, anytime. And we're on social media as well. Sandmore Investments, look us up. Awesome. And I'll make sure to tag it on the on the interview as well in case anybody's interested in reaching out to you. Excellent. All right. Well, thank you so much. Thanks thank for the you. excitement, the story. I really appreciate it. And, uh, <laughs> you're very welcome. Hopefully we can do a recap in a little while and see where you're at then. Let's do that. All right. Yeah. Thanks for tuning in to Empowerment and All That podcast with your host, Rita Bautista. Want to help me grow the listener tribe? Make sure to subscribe to this podcast and follow us on Instagram and Facebook under Empowerment and All That. And remember, keep it positive or don't keep it at all. Facebook leads the industry in stopping bad actors online. That's because they've invested $13 billion in teams and technology to enhance safety over the last five years. It's working. In just the past few months, they've taken down 1.7 billion fake accounts to stop bad actors from doing harm. 
but working to reduce harmful and illicit content on their platforms is never done. Learn more about how they're helping people connect and share safely at about.fb.com safety.